0: King David, if you
1: remember, let's go back to Melech David, you all remember King David. King David had built a beautiful palace for himself. If you remember the story back in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7, David had built this beautiful palace for himself, yet the Ark of God, remember the Ark of the Covenant, our Ark represents, of course, the Ark, uh, was still in the tabernacle, the Mishkanah tent. It was still in a tent. And David was disturbed by this, especially since he was living in a fancy mansion, a palace of sorts, and yet uh, the ark of God, the presence of God was, was in this tent. It was, it was a big tent, but it was kind of a, but still, it wasn't a, a permanent dwelling. Second Samuel chapter 7, verse 2, hear what King David says. That the, the king said to the prophet Nathan, see now, I am living in a house of cedar, yet the ark of God... Remains with curtains, so King David was 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 not happy. He did not like the fact that he was there living in a nice place, and yet uh, the the God God's presence was in this tent. He thought that wasn't fair and it wasn't right, and he wanted to do something about it. Wow, now that's pretty special. That's a special heart. Now was God impressed by this? Did God? Uh, take fondly to this? Oh my gosh, he was very, very impressed. God was incredibly impressed that David would have a heart for the for the glory uh, of, of God uh, and what place it was in. How do we know this? 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 5 says, Go tell my servant David, thus says Adonai, Are you to build me a house for me to dwell in? This is God speaking. Since the day that I brought up the children of Israel from Egypt to this day, I have not dwelt in a house, but have been moving about in a tent, even in a tabernacle. Skipping down to verse 16, God finally says this to David because he was so pleased and impressed with what David had said. God says this, So your house, David, and your kingship, Will be secure forever before you. Your throne will be established forever. God promised King David that his throne, the throne of David, Melech David, King David, would be established forever. Wow! That is amazing and that is impressive. It's really remarkable. God was so pleased with King David's passion for God that he told David that his kingship would last forever. This, and and many other passages from the prophets, tells us that Mashiach ben David, Mashiach ben David, son of David, ben David, son of David, a Messiah would come and the Messiah would sit on David's throne to rule forever. This this is part of the promise that God gave David because David had such a heart for God, right, that that, that God had a heart for David. Friends, if we have a heart for God, he has a heart for us. He has a heart for us no matter what. But boy, when we have a heart for him, he just looks at us and smiles. And man, what David wanted to do for God caught God's attention. And God said the Messiah would come through David. Melech Mashiach, okay, right? Right? King Messiah. It's a very Jewish concept, in fact, that that adherents to traditional Judaism believe in even today. Melech Moshiach, okay? King Messiah. The Messiah would come. Ben David, son of David. That the Messiah would be a son of David. Why? Because the Messiah would sit on the throne of David forever. Friends, I hope you understand... If you've not ever considered it, this is of great and key importance if you're reading and to have an understanding of the Baruch Sh'ah, the New Covenant. Without an understanding of this, you can't understand what even the beginning of the book of Matthew says. If you look at the very, if you crack open the New Covenant, the very first verse, what is that? That's the book of Matthew, which is the, the account of Yeshua by the Levite Matthew. And it establishes Yeshua's positional authority. And what does it say? Matthew 1.1, 1, 1, it says, The book of the genealogy of Yeshua HaMashiach ben David ben Avraham. Abraham. Okay, so right there at the very beginning, what do they say? The whole start of the, of the book, friends says that this is the book of the genealogy of Yeshua, Ben David, son of David. Why is this there? Why is this at the very front of the book? People, Some people look at the, the, the genealogy in chapter 1 of Matthew and don't understand exactly why it's there. It's there to establish, right? Bereshit, from the beginning, right? In the beginning, that Yeshua is the Moshiach is the Messiah in Matthew 1.1 1, 1, it is it is establishing him as the Messiah and has the authority to do so to sit on the throne of David because he has been David. And then what did the Jewish uh what did the what was the Jewish maiden Miriam told by the angel? Very interesting about the son that she would bear, Yeshua. The angel came to Miriam, this, this Jewish uh, teenager, and told her that she would bear a son. What did the angel tell her about her son? This is so important to understand. If, if you get what's going on way back in 2 Samuel chapter 7, it makes complete sense. Verse 1 of, chapter, of Luke Verse Starting in verse 30, it says this, The angel spoke to her, and what did the angel say? Do not be afraid, Miriam, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Yeshua, which means, of course, salvation, Bevrit in Hebrew. He will be great and will be called Ben Elyon, Adonai Elohim will give him the throne of David, his father. He shall reign over the house of Yaakov, of Jacob, for all eternity, and his kingdom will be without end." Wow, do you see that, Cameron? Isn't it amazing to understand why the angel is saying this? This is not just some kind of a random thing the angel is telling Miriam. We see here clearly that God is establishing his son, Yeshua, as his promised Messiah, as the Messiah of the world. And beyond this, he makes it clear that he is being established as a king on a throne. Well, what does it say? He will be given the throne of David his father and he will reign and his kingdom will be without end. It's very interesting. Clearly establishing Yeshua as a king. I find it absolutely remarkable, Rosh Hashanah and beautiful, Yom Teruah, it's very special. And of course, Rosh Hashanah literally means head of the year, Rosh is head, of course, Shana year, uh, Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, the new year, okay. Yet we know that biblically, if we look in the scriptures, this holiday is actually Yom Teruah, Yom Teruah, the day of the blowing of trumpets or even most literally loud noises, okay, right? And so for us as Jewish people, it's a time of profound connection with God. In fact, it really is for all people, both Jew and Gentile alike, we have a connection to God, or we should have a connection to God, especially on Yom Teruah. But in what way? In what way is this connection to God special on Rosh Hashanah and differentiated from maybe some other uh, holidays or some other special times of the year? Well, this is one of the ways where we understand better our relationship with our Creator through this holiday. Okay, one of the overarching themes of Rosh Hashanah, if you study it, is that of the coronation of God as king. Coronation of God as king. It's funny because in our modern society, the concept of a king is very much lost on people. I mean, for sure, if you know anything about uh, how we as modern people think about a king, people don't really think much about a king. I mean, America was founded in rebellion to a king. <laughs> okay, so our concept of a king is very different than, than perhaps other people's and certainly what it used to be. Today, we know, of course, Queen Elizabeth uh, the, of the United Kingdom, etc., and some of the other royalty, but the, the vast majority of her power is now symbolic, but it wasn't always this way. There was a time, not that long ago, when kings had ultimate authority. They had ultimate authority, the kings. And now, uh, the, the Jewish holidays are, are awesome, without question. And they're very, very powerful. And uh, at this time, we think about, during this, this season here of Yom Teruah, we think about the coronation of God as our king. And it is a beautiful visual of that, there's no doubt. Perhaps you've never noticed. Probably, you you could be a bethel member here for 30-something years, and you may not have noticed this fact when it comes to our Rosh Hashanah services. And it's an absolutely beautiful thing, and it's going to, if you allow it to, and if you're tuning in, it will change forever the way you look at the Rosh Hashanah service, and especially the liturgy, which is just so absolutely beautiful, because it is a, 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 a sweet visual, and the, because the liturgy on Yom Teruah emphasizes this more than any other holiday that we're in. Listen to the times in our Rosh Hashanah liturgy in different places that we refer to our God as king, or emphasize his kingdom. It is frequent when we see this. It is frequent when we review and recount this. I want you to tune in. All these things are part of our liturgy on Yom Teruah, on Rosh Hashanah. All these things are a part of it. So, so you just let absorb a little bit of this and uh, as we think about it here. We say, what do we say? We say, HaMelech Hayoshevel Ram Venisa. The king sitting on a throne high and lifted up. O king who delights in life. O king, helper, savior, and shield. A king who causes death and restores life. Our father, our king, Avinu Malkeinu. Our Father, our King, we say it multiple times, Avinu Malkenu, may His kingdom reign. The King who reigns over kings, true is our King. The Lord shall be King over all the world. I will exalt you by God, my King of the glory of your kingdom, they will speak. Your kingdom is a kingdom spanning all eternities. Shout joyfully before the king. And this doesn't even mention the Adon Olam. And every time we say, Baruch HaTzad, Baruch Melech HaOlam, Melech HaOlam, king, king of the world. King of the universe. Friends, we are celebrating a king today. Do you see that? This is a king's celebration today. This is a coronation. Do you see this? Do you feel it? Do you feel a king is being celebrated today? That is what Yom Teruah is about. So if today we are indeed celebrating the coronation of a king, then we must sincerely ask ourselves, how are we treating this king today? How are we treating this king? What is your attitude toward HaMelech, the king? Melech Yeshua, King Yeshua. Well, it's interesting because our Jewish people once welcomed Yeshua into Jerusalem as king uh, in in a very, very special way, in a way that, that truly honored him as a king when he was coming in. So we read about this in Mark chapter 11. So here is Yeshua coming into Jerusalem, and what happens? Verse 8, many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread branches cut from the fields. Those going before and those following kept shouting, Hoshiana! Hoshiana! Baruch haba Shem Adonai! Blessed is he! who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the, is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Wow. Remarkable. Much of this, of course, from Psalm 118. They were proclaiming Yeshua to be King Messiah. That's what they were doing. They were welcoming in a king. They were welcoming a king into the holy city Of Jerusalem, the city of the great king, as we read in the Tanakh. But you see the royal way that they treated him? I mean, it's really outstanding and remarkable the way that they treated him. But just like our people 2,000 years ago, the honor for the king is fickled. And truly it is, my friends. Friends, a simple question Are you treating God? as your king? I want you to really think about it. Are you treating God as your king? It's Rosh Hashanah, it's Yom Teruah, the day of the blowing of trumpets, right? I think about how when a king is announced, at least this is the way we always see it, and historically, it's often read this way as well. Oftentimes, when a king is announced, there are usually trumpets that sound to announce his arrival. You know, and and the, the trumpets are blown. Here is the king. You know, the, the the shofar, the trumpets, let everybody know that the king is arriving right? You, the, the trumpets are blown, the shofar is blown, and then the king arrives. And everybody, and, and the sounding of the shofar announces the king's arrival. And so when you hear the sounding of the shofar, no matter what you're doing, you may be doing something here, you may be uh, handling something uh, on, your, on your phone, etc. Okay, you may be working in the field, but, but, but the moment that you hear that shofar, whew, it should make you turn and look. Because there's royalty that's approaching. There's royalty that's here. A king is approaching. Do you feel it? Do you sense it? This is Yom Teruah, the day of the blowing of trumpets. Such is the case with Yeshua as well. And we know, my friends, that this is also going to be true when the last shofar sounds, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 we know that he, boy, Richard, he's going to be announced with a, with a trumpet, with a shofar call again. And, and then the king is going to arrive. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50 says this, Now I say this, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, and what decays cannot inherit what does not decay. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment in the twinkling of an eye, at the last shofar, for the shofar will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we will be changed. This is the resurrection, my friends. This is the resurrection. So when you hear the sound of the shofar, it announces the arrival of the king, Hamelech, Earlier in our service, we heard Shlomo. We heard Shlomo blast that shofar, but more shofar calls are to come. And when you hear those shofar calls on Rosh Hashanah, on Yom Teruah, it should immediately conjure images in your mind of a king. It's announcing a king. That shofar, Corinthians tells us that when that shofar blast comes, boom, when that last shofar hits, Boom, the dead will rise again and we will be with the Lord in the air as the scripture says. So shall we forever be with the Lord. This, This is powerful stuff, my friends, but this is intense stuff. This is what this holiday is about. A king is coming. The king is coming. Do you hear the shofar? Do you hear the sound of the teruah? So I'm asking you today, are you paying right respect for the king on this day when we celebrate the coronation of a king do you tremble do you tremble in the presence of the king do you bow before him do you bow before your king do you have the fear of the lord in your heart for the king or do you simply participate in rosh hashanah only out of obligation and tradition No, beloved, we can't do this. We simply can't do this. If we're going to be sincere and genuine people, if 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 we're going to be genuine and not kind of hypocritical about it, and if there is a God in heaven above, and we can't have a relationship with him, then we need to treat him as the king. We need to treat him as the king. And what does this look like when I say treat him as king? What exactly might that look like in today's terms, right? Well, it's interesting because in the book of Revelation, Yochanan, of course, has a vision of the heavenly throne room of God. The heavenly throne room of God in a time yet to come. So it's a a vision that still is in the future, but it's a a vision of the throne room of God. And in it, he describes the, the 24 elders, which are human beings, who are amazingly honored in heaven. So you think of it as the the upper echelon of of humanity. The 24 elders all there in the throne room of God. But what happens with these 24 people is they themselves are are, are exalted, but yet (laughs) certainly not above God. Revelation chapter 4, verse 10, it says, the 24 elders fall down before the one seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they throw their crowns down before the throne and they chant, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and because of your will, they existed and were created. Amen. This is is what they're doing. These most esteemed elders fall down before the king on the throne, and they throw their own crowns down in front of him, and they worship God. They worship God. They worship God with everything that they are. They give it all to him who is eternal. Think about this. Where are you with all of this? Are you worshiping God? Or are you worshiping something else? It's interesting because one of our Torah scrolls, if you notice, has a crown on the top of it. And yes, in part, it represents the the turban that Aaron Aaron, the high priest in such, wore when he went before the Holy of Holies, but it also represents the kingship of God. The kingship of God. It reminds us of this. And Mishpacha, if we want to passionately follow our King, then we need to get serious about our walk with God. Do you realize? I mean, this pandemic hopefully has clued you off onto the fact that time can just move. I mean, what have these last six months been? It's just been like, whoa. It's almost like we've lost in some partial way half a year of our lives, just, you know, been distorted. That's in a way, what time can just go in a a moment. What is our life? Friends, our lives need to have purpose. Are you going through life without purpose? What's the purpose? What's the point? Unless God is in the equation, it's pointless. What are you doing? You're you're, you're taking up oxygen, and, and then you'll die. What is that? No, no, life has purpose. Life has meaning. But it relates to eternity and how we treat HaMelech, the king. And what does it look like? What might it look like on a very practical level, right? Because we don't have a physical king that we see right in front of us, that we bow down to and worship like literally right in front of us. So what's a practical way that we can apply treating God as a king? Well, beloved, we already read it, if, if you were paying attention to it. We already read it in our Rosh Hashanah liturgy. That liturgy is powerful. The High Holy Day liturgy is intense. Man, the Vidui of uh, uh, Yom Kippur, it's just intense. A lot of the things we read all about the king. So many things about a king on Rosh Hashanah, very intense. But we already read it if you tuned in and if you really meant it during our Rosh Hashanah liturgy. And it's one of my favorite parts of the High Holy Day liturgy. But it really places God as our king. And it should give you chills if you actually mean it. What did we all say? Here's what we all said. And to me, this is a great practical application of making God our king and treating him as a king, as you would a a king, okay? What did we say? We all said together, We consecrate ourselves to you and we seek your will. Sounds like you're talking to a king, doesn't it? Wherever you want us to go, we will go. Whatever you want us to do, we will do. And whatever you want us to say, we will say, if there is anything that you want us to change, show us, and we will do it. Wow. (laughs) Now that's a message that you give your king. If he is your sovereign, that's a message that you give your king. When you said that a little bit earlier, did you mean it? Or were you just reading the words as they were coming across your screen? No, and 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 even if you didn't think about it so much then, think about it right now. Do you mean it? Do you really mean it, beloved? Because that's what Yom Teruah is all about. What that's what coronating God is all about. And and friends. And it's so interesting. The musician sang that beautiful song, "Lord of the World" by Phil Klein, that I just absolutely love. A blessed memory, it's such a beautiful song. And friends, it's not, it's not that we are coronating him as king of the universe because he's already sitting on the throne there. The question that we should ask is this. Is he the king of your life? Is he sitting on the throne of your heart? Genuinely, not just in your mind, not just out of obligation or tradition, but do you love your king? Will you follow him and his instructions? Because that is what your king asks of you. The title of my message is King. Let's bow our heads together. If you're watching this and you reflect on it and you say, wow, (laughs) there are areas of my life where I have not made him king. Maybe on some areas it seems like I have, but boy, king, I've never really thought about it in those terms. I've never really, see if you think about him as the king, it changes everything. Following his commandments are not just compulsory, but they're a joy to do because you love your king. You've chosen to be under his kingship, right? And if you've chosen it, it's because it's out of love for him. Because he first loved us. Because everything in the book is good for you. (laughs) So God, I pray for each person here today who's watching, if maybe they have not put you as king of their life. In whatever area of their life, they've not put you on the throne. God, I pray that we have that love, that respect, and that honor of you and the fear of the Lord placing you where you belong as king. And if you're watching today and you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart, you've never committed your life to God, believing in Moshiach Yeshua, the Messiah Yeshua, then say this prayer after me. Dear God, I humbly come before you and I ask Yeshua to come into my heart. I believe he's the Messiah risen again sitting at your right hand. Please forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry, God. I'll live the rest of my days for you. I love you, God. Please be my king. In Yeshua's name, if you said that prayer for the first time, please send us an email. We want to celebrate with you, but God has changed you if you said that. Why? Because your spirit is renewed as you are following a new sovereign. It is no longer you who's on that throne, but it is it is God who's on the throne, which is what this holiday is about. The shofarots are blowing. And God is
0: with you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift